welcome to the Retro Blood. You are all my children now. You want to know what happens to an eyeball when it gets You got any idea how much blood jets out of a guy's neck? You've come back to us, Michael. Stop the rage. That's what you get for not obeying your counselor. And here's what you get for telling evil stories and having such a filthy mouth. It is not the appearance of life, it is life. This is not magic. As you say, I am a scientist. We'll tear your soul apart. Welcome back, everybody, to the Retro Blood, as we have entered a new month, and we're talking all about camping, we're talking about summer camping, we're talking about doing sports activity, we got our short shorts on, we got the freaking t-shirt that only shows our belly, alright, we're going out there, we're trying to like throw uh, uh, balloon balls at everybody we're trying to hit on every counselor uh, counselor that we can yes because we have entered the month of summer camps here on the retro blood and of course to start it off we're starting it off hot brother we're starting off with sleepaway camp one J.A. allison james klein what's happening what's happening allison how do you feel about your uh your stay over here at the sleepaway camp Man, it's good to be in summer, and it's good to go go away to summer camp. Um, the uh, I know that it's gonna get uh, get dangerous. It's gonna get dangerous this month because none of these summer camp stays go very very smoothly or very well. But so far, it's warm. I'm wearing my short shorts, getting in the water, swimming in the lake. I'm ready to go. You're feeling good, huh? Feeling good. Yeah, it's pretty feeling interesting. Good, it's it's like very interesting to, to to watch a lot of these like summer camp movies because it's such a good environment for a uh like a like a horror environment because you can mix in with like fun youth um, activities like there's just a lot of stuff you can add with it so it's gonna be very fun talking about summer camps this whole month um <laughs> but you know th- this one was a little funny because. Yes, it's a summer camp movie. We're in camp. We're all doing the, the camp counselors and everything. This movie was like released in November, which is definitely not summer camp month. And um, you can actually tell a little bit too, like in this film, like it looked like they were filming it like a little bit in the winter. Like it was about to change the seasons because a lot of the leaves were falling out and everything. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we're going to pretend like it's hot and it's ready to go out there, brother. Yeah, I think they had some kind of delay in, in uh, production, so they yes. couldn't film it until, like, October. Yeah. <laughs> or, like, le- like September, October, and it was filmed in upstate New York, so they were, like, losing. Uh, it was, it was, it's clear, clearly fall in some of those scenes, for sure. Yeah. But, but, but our boy Gino and, and Ronnie, they didn't care. They're, they're, they're going to be flexing with their uh, short shorts and their T-shirts. So that's what it's all about. But we have a jam-packed episode for, for you guys today. I jam-packed because we have a ton of history to talk about. So we're not going to waste any time. We're going to jump right into the history segment here on the Retro Blood. And of course, our history segment, we always talk about what's happening. 
around the release date of the particular movie we are reviewing, which this particular release date is in November 18th, 1983, brother. So we have, we actually, uh, I don't think we've done a lot of 1983 before. So I'm pretty excited about talking about this particular era because there's a, just a lot going on around this time. And, you know, we talk about pro wrestling, we talk about metal. And I think the first thing we should talk about, just because it's going to probably going to take up a lot of uh, uh, talking time, it's going to be the first ever Starcade. Starcade 1983, brother. The thing that started it at all. Absolutely. So, Allison, can you give us a little backstory on on on, on Starcade? Well, so my backstory on, on Starcade is going to be a little bit one sided because, to me, as I've mentioned many times on the show, um, Jim Crockett Promotions was was what wrestling was to me. It was the only wrestling I could watch when I was a kid, when I was growing up. I couldn't watch the WWF. I couldn't watch Mid-South. I could only watch Jim Crockett. So this is what wrestling is to me. So Starcade was like the first big national show, probably. Um, it was like WrestleMania before WrestleMania, kind of. Um, it's just that Vince McMahon was able to, to capitalize on his version uh, quicker. But I'm pretty sure... That uh, the first WrestleMania was inspired by Starcade um, to happen, oh, yeah. but um, it was. It's also kind of um, a transitional period in wrestling. So it's like it transitions from like 1970s wrestling to what wrestling would become in the 80s. And they even talk about it during the show. Like I watched the show uh, before before we recorded. And like they even talk about that, like they talk about how Jim Crockett is like the leader in this new new era of wrestling. Um, and the main event, which was Flair, Ric Flair versus Harley Race, was kind of like a symbolic changing of the times from a from a really famous 1970s wrestler to a young, uh, new 1980s era wrestler. Yeah, uh, in a way. Our flair for the gold. Yeah. No Dusty Rhodes yet. No. So, I mean, there was I mean, Dusty Rhodes. So, the interesting part about Dusty Rhodes on the show, besides him doing a bunch of interviews, one of them that didn't yeah. even, like, go through, because <laughs> they had some audio technical <laughs> difficulties, was, you know, the original Star Kid idea was the brainchild of Dusty Rhodes. Because I think he yes. was the one that, that came up with the idea. I was like, what if we just do a mega event? Like, that hasn't been done in wrestling. You know, we have tours and we have shows that we have done in wrestling but what if we bring all matches like all big time attraction matches all in one show and that's pretty much how star k was born you know because we have matches that you might have seen in puerto rico matches you might have seen in mexico matches you might have seen on house show main events what if we bring them all to one big giant show and that's pretty much how the starcade um uh, event came to be so. yes yeah but uh dusty um i mean yeah he right he was at the show and the show was his idea but he wasn't wrestling i don't think for crockett yet i could be wrong i think he was, but I, don't uh, think he was I think he might i think he might have been wrestling for crockett around the time um i but i think, maybe but i think like he, he he's probably he didn't blow up yet like he was about to be um a big a big star coming on for them 
Right. So, uh, let me see. And th- th- there's a couple interesting facts about Starcade that are, you know, probably a little more. It's hard to go into detail because it probably take up a whole show. So you yes. know, maybe maybe one day or here and there, me and Allison were talking about. You know, sometimes we do like that lights out episode, and maybe one time on the lights out episode, we might pick a particular wrestling event. To, mm-hmm. to talk about and we can go a little bit more detail in the history and everything you know the retro blood is kind of like just hitting up hitting on what was happening during these movies release date but it's pretty crazy to think like that around the same time as sleepaway camp came like we had the first ever starcade which is crazy um but do you have any like any some uh, thoughts from the show um i mean the show was really good it was it was um strange for me in a way, because I got to see, I don't know that I'd ever, I don't think I've ever watched this entire show before, um, before now, but, um, you know, obviously I'm familiar with Ric Flair, but, you know, and I'm familiar with all of these people. Like I knew who the Briscoe brothers were, Yeah. but to me, the Briscoe brothers were a, the Stooges in WWF, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like, I don't. I never really saw them as the dominating tag. Well, team I think um, I think during that particular time, Jack as it was already retired, and he was running their body shop when uh, Gerald was the, the Stooges. But, you know, oh, like, true. Yeah, you're right. It was Pat Patterson and one of the one of the Briscoes. Yeah, it was Gerald. Gerald, Gerald Briscoe. Yes. Yeah. But like uh, the but, interesting part about you know the Briscoe brothers, you know, not not the not the newer Briscoe brothers, but the the older ones, um, they. Uh, Jack, you know, he was a former NWA world champion, and he was yes. one of their big traveling world champions at the time. I don't think Ger- uh, Gerald ever got to that level, but they were both like very credible amateur wrestlers, and that's why um, Gerald uh, Briscoe he was the one that worked for the the WWF and in recruiting a lot of amateur wrestlers to the WWF um, because of their big background that they had and. Boy, those guys can go. That's that's for sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, amateur wrestling has turned out to be a really good um, feeding ground or farm farm for professional wrestlers over the years, for sure. Yes. Um. You know, it's hard to go over to the whole card. You know what I mean? But like, basically, some of the highlights that I, when I was watching it from it. First of all, we had Gordon Sullivan. Gordon Sullivan. <laughs> What's the guy's name? Gordon? Gordon Sully. Gordon Sully. Yes, we had Gordon Sully yeah. on commentary. And boy, at first he could not get Tony Schiavone's name. <laughs> I was going to mention that. It must that have been great. like right when Schiavone started because he keeps yeah. calling him Tony Schiavone. Yeah, Schiavone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Tony Schiavone, just like nowadays, he was all over the show doing interviews. I mean, man, you know, just like, just like him and AEW is like all over the show. It's like... He was like doing interviews with Harley Race. He was doing interviews with Ric Flair. He was doing interviews with Ricky Steamboat. He was doing interviews with Bob Orton. I mean, he was fucking all over this damn show. But I like the uh, the internet for you know. So this is like you know this particular era of wrestling. It seemed a little bit more like realistic. You know what I mean? It seemed yeah, more like sure. a sporting event than what is what we see kind of even nowadays. You know, like a lot of nowadays. We have like really high production, you know what I mean? Everybody you could tell like has like at least some bullet points or scripted lines they're going through. We got to hit all these bullet points. You know, this show was basically just like, okay, we're going to go to the back. All right, we have humble Ric Flair talking about, 
you know, his match coming up with the with the uh, Harley race and everybody just kind of hanging out, putting on their tape and everything. So just like, you know, mm. the format of the whole show was very, very um, different that you would see nowadays. But, you know, for the time that this is just how wrestling, you know, was. Yeah, for sure. I mean, and it was weird. I, I will say it was weird seeing this this Ric Flair character. Um, you know, like the the baby face Ric Flair. Well, we've seen this character before. So you know, Ric Flair to me always had like two sides. He had the wild, rich, the most flamboyant you know Ric Flair that we're pretty much used to. You know, talking about his suits, yelling at everything, screaming, freaking out the whole time. You know, I mean, talking about women, talking about jets and stuff. That is like yeah. the most popular version of yeah. Ric Flair, but the I there's always the other side of Ric Flair, which is the humble Ric Flair, <laughs> the <laughs> humble Ric Flair that we got on this show. He's very quiet, very low spoken. He's like, "Yes, I got my opponent over here, Harley Race. He's a great athlete. Um, I will go in there and make sure this is a great competition. You know, this is a great show that's happening right now. Jim Crockett Promotions. This is going to be a great World Title match. Like he's just very low spoken. He did the same thing when it was the uh, Ric Flair and Vader." feud as well too we have more of the the, the humble rick flair so every, every once in a while we'll get the humble rick flair but everybody you know when you when you see rick flair hear rick flair you, you're, you're used to the wild side man the, the wild yeah, one right which is exactly. it is more entertaining seeing the the wild heel rick flair than it is seeing the baby face humble rick flair so it's like two different personalities it's just crazy for sure i mean they're totally different yep and of course, this show um, was very interesting too because this one had the mo- one of the most famous matches on the car besides the, the Flair versus um, Harley Race. It had the uh, Rowdy Piper versus Greg Valentine dog collar match. Mm-hmm. That's still yeah. even recognized today. Yeah, yeah, in AEW, and still recognizes one of the best matches of all time, which is which it certainly was, and. Uh, and this Piper was the face, which you don't normally think of as Roddy Piper as a face, although he would kind of go back and forth over time. But he was he was, uh, you know, he was the face in this really bloody dog collar match where he nearly got his ear ripped off by mistake. Yes. The year of the ear. Mm-hmm. Let, let it be known. <laughs> and, you know, this is just one of the most violent, very creative match that, that you would see uh, for this time, uh, how these uh, two athletes did it. Um, you know, a lot of back and forth, a lot of like using the chain, even the using the dog collar chain very differently than you would even see it today. Um, but you know, some some of the interesting facts about this show too is, um, you know, it's very interesting to see how a bunch of wrestlers went back and forth in this era. So you know, around the '80s and stuff, like you know, nowadays, let's say somebody jumps to AEW, oh, we got. Brian Dance, we got CM Punk. Like it's like, oh shit, I can't believe this happened. We got Cody jumping, you know what I mean, to, to to Monday Night Raw. It's like, whoa, this is shocking. You know, back then that shit happened like all the time. Like it was crazy to think that Roddy Piper would have this killer match with Greg Valentine at this Starcade show, and not even a couple months later or a year later, he's in he's in WWF. Yeah, both of them were pretty soon, right? Yeah. So, you know, he finished out his contract with uh, with the Jim Crockett, and then, boom, he's on to the WWF and just takes his whole big run over there. So, you know, mm-hmm. and you would think, like, this was, like, pretty much a star-making match. You'd think he'd be one of the premier people to want to even stay in, um, you know, Jim Crockett promotions. He probably could have got up to be huge. And now, obviously, you could tell that Roddy Piper was going to be a huge star. But, you know, that McMahon money came knocking. 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, no, I mean, none of those guys could turn down that kind of money. And I mean, I, I don't know what their contracts were then, but I would imagine that, um, well, back then it was a little bit different because you, di- you didn't, most people didn't, I don't think really wanted to be on a big contract before this. Right. Like guaranteed money was like working on salary to them from what I understand. Um, now this is obviously not from experience, but it's from hearing people talk about it that were there around in that era and they wanted to be paid on, you know, for how, based on how the show did what, so it's like the difference between working on, you know, commission, I guess, or working hourly maybe, and then working for a salary. Cause you know, no matter how much you work, you're going to make the same amount of money where today people want that guaranteed money. But back then they wanted maybe less, a little less guaranteed money, but they wanted to be, be paid a higher um, a higher amount on the show. So, like you know, you if you main evented a show, then you got paid. I got a huge payday, versus you know you just got whatever you got. Yeah. Um. So I guess it cuts both ways, really. But, but, um, but yeah, I think that Vince Vince started offering people huge guaranteed contracts, and some of those guys were just like, yeah, sure, I'll just take that and go. Yeah. And the card, it was very interesting in this card, too. So a lot of the people on this card would, you know, eventually be pretty, you know, big stars, legendary stars when it comes to, um, you know, pro wrestling, too. I mean, we we have, like, Kevin Sullivan. He was on the show. Um, yep. Obviously, he would be a booker for WCW later, especially during the Monday Night War era. Uh, a very interesting match um, that I actually got to watch a little bit. Um, I didn't didn't get to finish this whole show, you know, just like you, but I just kind of want to talk about this a little bit. Was the uh, Adul the Butcher versus Carlos Colon match. Yeah, the one that was banned in Puerto Rico. Yes, it was banned in Puerto Rico because now are are they, okay, is this when uh, Bruiser Brody died? Um, No, Brody didn't die until 85. Okay, so this is before that happened. So I guess this match was just banned and Puerto Rico because it was too violent, brother. Yeah. So, from which I, when they said that, I thought that was a weird thing to say because yeah. from everything that I've ever heard about Puerto Rican wrestling, yeah, I heard it was crazy. There is no way. <laughs> no. There is no way that this would have been banned in Puerto Rico. Maybe they just said it to make but, it sound special. Because I'm sure it did. I'm sure it was like you well, know, and this I didn't crazy, and I didn't realize that Abdullah Bircher just uses his fork in every match. Like they didn't just say, about, yeah. they didn't say this match was no disqualification. They didn't say it was anything goes. They're just like, okay, this match was banned in Puerto Rico. Here they go. And then next thing we know, fucking Carlos <laughs> Colon just brings out a knife and starts stabbing this motherfucker in the head. I was like, what the <laughs> fuck is going on here? <laughs> I was like, what the fuck? Yeah. Like, the, yeah, they don't explain any rules. Um, I've never seen an Abdul the Butcher match that didn't involve a fork or something sticking in his opponent. Yeah. But what was different about this one was like Carlos Colon was like the first one to pull out like a blade to start stabbing him in the head. Yeah. And I'm like, holy shit. And it was crazy um, too because like I didn't realize how over this Carlos Colon was. Like the crowd was loving this guy. So he yeah, was I mean, he was a huge star for sure. And, and then we dad. had uh, Hugo, uh, uh, Hugo, the the manager who, <laughs> did I say his name? Huno Shavinovich? Sorry. My favorite thing about doing this show is, is listening to you try to pronounce names. I know. I, I, I suck I at it. it. I, I suck at the names. I don't know why. What's his name? It, I mean, it is a hard name to say. Hugo Savinovich. He's the guy, yes. guy that did the Spanish commentary for London for 
yeah, WWF forever. and he works in AAA now. And I didn't know he was ever a manager. I assumed he was a, he was a uh, a commentator his whole career. This is the when I when he showed up, I was like, holy shit, it's Hugo Savinovich. Yes, I am. Me too. I was like, oh shit, what the Spanish announcer table guy? <laughs> exactly. <was> great. <laughs> so another great match that uh, I'm gonna talk about was uh, Bob Orton Jr. and Dick Slater. What a great team. The Cowboys versus the Indians. <laughs> Mark yeah, Youngblood um, and Mahu McDaniel. So I didn't even think of it that way until you just mentioned it. But yes, yeah, the Cowboys versus the Indians. Um, yes. And um, Bob Orton is a much – I have so I watched this all the way through. This was a good match. Bob Orton is a better wrestler than I ever gave him credit for. Oh, he's great. Um, he's and fantastic. One, the thing that's really strange is when I'm watching him wrestle, I can see Randy Orton in him. Yes. Like in his face and his facial expressions. Oh, yeah. I was like, holy shit. He looks, I mean, that's what Randy does now. Yeah. Like he's, he's just like his dad because I never thought he looked anything like his dad. But I mean, it's mostly because, you know, Bob Orton had that big curly hairdo all yeah. the time. And, and Randy um, doesn't have hair like that. The suplex off the top rope, he, he took that from his dad too because his dad yep. used to do that yep. one all the time. Yep. I mean, I mean, it, it actually made me uh, appreciate Randy Orton a lot better um, watching this because I was like, yeah, that's that's Randy is a remake of his dad for sure. And um, but, um, yeah. and it's crazy. So, you know, so there out of the show, there was two people from this show that were also on the original WrestleMania, too, which is crazy. It's Bob Orton Jr. and Rowdy Piper. So not only were they in the original Starcade, they were also in the original WrestleMania as well. Yeah, which would happen in '85, right? Yes. So, so when when did when did Hulkamania start? When was it? Wasn't this the same month that uh, Iron Sheik? I mean, Iron Sheik lost to Hulk Hogan to start Hulkamania, or was it the next year? Oh, I know we've talked about this before, but I can't remember what year it was. I can't remember if it was '83 or '84. I think it was '84. To let you know. That kind of makes sense, maybe, because I thought Rocky Three was 1983. Yeah. And he that was well before. He was still working for Vern Gagne. Hulk Hogan was still working for Vern Gagne, I think, when he made that. Um, so, yeah. So, it would have been maybe the next year. So, all these guys went to WWF, and then Hogan was already positioned, I guess, to be the big star, which is why... The big face star, which is why Piper became a heel when he went to WWF, I suppose. Yeah, the rise of Hulk uh, Hulkamania. Yeah, it was '84, basically when he became the the. Now he was already a big star during this time because when he worked in oh, yeah. the um, AWA, that's pretty much where he, uh, you know, like you're saying, he came off Rocky Three, and he was just you know br- bringing the whole Hulkamania Hulk- persona in the AWA first, but then. Vince snatched him up, and then they kind of like made the rise of that, and they most that mostly happened in '84. Yeah, almost. I want to say it was almost exactly a year later. I'm pretty sure it was November of '84. But I mean, I could be wrong about that. I'm just I'm just trying to bring that back from memory. But I believe that match in in Madison Square Garden happened in November of '84. Um, but uh, yeah, so basically they were setting all of this up for everything they were going to do through the rest of the 80s in this year, which is kind of interesting to think. About. Yes. 
And another great tag team I kind of want to talk about a little bit is the Jay Youngblood and Ricky Steamboat. Like, boy, you could talk about these guys were like a fantastic team. Uh, yes. Two great young baby faces, mm -hmm. you know, great wrestlers, great look. Um, they had a great, excellent match with Jack Briscoe and Jer Jack and Jerry Briscoe. So definitely uh, 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 a very interesting, you know, time, especially for the tag team wrestling when it comes to these guys, you know, just killing it yeah. in the ring. Well, I wonder why they had, um, I wonder why they split the brothers up. I wonder why Mark and Jay didn't tag together. Wow. Um, maybe because they had to have Wahoo on the card and they wanted another Native American to be a tag team partner. That's possible. But, um, which is interesting to, you know, eventually Ricky Steamboat would also be another person jumping back and forth a bunch um, to the to the Fed and WCW at this time too. And what happens at the end of the show is kind of ironic compared to what would happen later with him and Flair. Um, but I around since you're bringing up the Young Bloods, um, I, I came up with a theory last night, but I but I I, do, I ended up debunking my own theory um, because I was thinking about so the Briscoes were on the show, the Briscoe brothers, and the Young Blood brothers, Jay and Mark, and I was thinking, I was like, did the current Briscoe brothers take their names? from the old Briscoe brothers and Jay and Mark Youngblood. But when I started investigating that, Mark and Jay are their actual names. Yes. <laughs> so that's it probably not true. It seems like that, though, doesn't it? It's just crazy. <laughs> it seems like it would be cool, but yeah, if, if they did that. But yeah, it turned, you know, if they took the their first and last names from two, you know, pretty famous hard-hitting tag teams. But yeah. but yeah, their actual first names are Mark and Jay. So my uh, my theory, my conspiracy theory was totally debunked debunked that happens but yeah i mean definitely a very legendary show you know definitely a big uh a primary one of the most biggest influential uh cards in pro wrestling because this like like we were saying at the beginning is probably the thing that um um gave the idea to wrestlemania in a way you know wrestlemania was more about let's get the wrestling mixed in with pop culture pageantry all in the one for like some sort of big yeah. mega card. You know, Star K was more like, let's get a bunch of high profile matches and high profile stars all onto one televised show. So they basically just took yeah. the two concepts. They made them a little different, but they're the same style of concept where it's a big show, a big showcased show. Right. Yeah. I mean, back then, you, I mean, Crockett didn't have the vision that Vince McMahon had of being able to. Like, I don't think, I, I mean, I w I'm willing to bet that he never even thought that, well, we're going to be able to integrate pop culture as a whole into what we do with this wrestling thing. Whereas Vince McMahon was like, we need to, like, be able to, uh, we need to, like, take MTV and current music and see if we can get any musicians involved in this and then see if we can mix it all together and, and, and make everybody in the country see this. Yeah, so yes. So definitely a big show, definitely a very highlighted uh, show. Maybe we'll, maybe if on the Facebook, if I find a match, I'll play play one for everybody to check it right. all out. We'll do a couple extras for everybody here. But let's get into some of the music around the release date of this film. So, you know, the, a couple of things I found. I found two things, basically. So the first one I found was um, it's a Black Sabbath 
uh, show, like a concert that happened on the exact same date, November 18th, 1983, that this movie dropped. And it was in um, Chicago at this time. So, you know, Black Sabbath, obviously a big band. We talked about them before on the podcast. Mm -hmm. You know, I just wanted to bring that up a little bit, you know. But there's something I really wanted to bring up here. And I've been waiting to talk about this for a long time. So, this didn't happen in the same month that Sleepaway Camp happened. But it was super close. So, this album dropped December 3rd, 1983. So, only a couple, maybe like two weeks after, you know, Sleepaway Camp came out. And this album is awesome. So it's the first ever album dropped by the one and only Slayer. So we have Show No Mercy by Slayer that dropped December 3rd, 1983. So Wow. Yeah, that's weird to think about that that was that long ago. Yes. You know. Um, and a couple. Slayer. Yeah. A couple of interesting uh, facts about this album, too. You know, this is the uh, studio album debut of obviously one of the most, you know, famous metal bands of all time. Um, and it was obviously, this is like, uh, it was released on Metal Blade Records, which is still like one of the biggest labels still kicking today. Um, it, I guess it was signed by Bra- uh, Brian Siegel. Yeah. He signed the band to the label after watching them perform the song. Phantom of the Opera by Iron Maiden. Right, which is weird to think. So they did an Iron Maiden cover. Yes. (laughs) And then apparently they, you know, they, 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 basically what happened was, so when this, um, when the, uh, Brian, when he saw them perform that, um, he was going to be releasing kind of like a, one of those, they, they still just, they do this nowadays. They kind of release, um, an album that has a bunch of different bands on one out one like little record so everybody can give get a taste of what the new right. bands are coming out with they still that do they still do that nowadays too because when i went to that uh, amorphous show and um uh, Ada, uh they had uh when i got their cd they gave me um a, a, a sample cd of a bunch of other bands that sound like them on the same record so yeah so yeah metal blade started that way they started releasing those compilations was were they was it called metal massacre was that what yeah this one was the metal massacre three compilation yeah um but these were new songs though so like the songs on your compilation cd are probably releases from other current releases that you could buy but the metal metal massacre releases releases had new songs from new bands that you couldn't get anywhere else at the time nice well, some of the interesting stuff about it. So, so Slayer was the opening act for Bitch. You ever heard Bitch before? Absolutely not. Yeah, me either. They did not. Uh, they did not last the test of time. <laughs> yes, Bitch did not last the test of time. Well, I guess the word Bitch did, but not the band. Yeah, right. It was at the Woodstock Club in Los Angeles, performing eight songs, six being covers. While performing the Iron Man cover, the band was spotted by Brian. A former musical journalist who had recently founded Metal Blade Records. Mm. He met with the band and asked if they'd like to be the you know be featured on the upcoming Metal Massacre Three, and they agreed. Um, so so being on there, they created some underground buzz, which led to the uh, which led to Brian signing the band to Metal Blade Records. So and they recorded the album in Los Angeles, California. And it was uh, financed by the lead singer, 
And um, so I guess the late singer Tom, he was working as a respiratory therapist at this time, and he financed the album. And then, then they got some money borrowed from guitarist Kerry King's father. So, and they had a lot of influence, you know, on the early sound. Uh, you know, obviously Iron Maiden was on there too. You know, sound wise, Venom, Judas Priest, <clears throat> and Merciful Fate were big. Um, influences this Slayer and you could see that too because you know Venom Merciful Fate and stuff they had the more like the the, the satanic type of uh, album covers and look which yeah. Slayer adopted as well and of course you know Judas Priest and Iron Maiden you know at the very early Slayer you know the the singer Tom he would do the uh, the uh like to, like to call the screaming vocals oh yeah the yow so yeah type of, that's type exactly of what they sound like well, <laughs> I can't do it, brother. My fucking voice is too kill. I could, I could, I'd be like blowing my vocal cords out if I tried. <laughs> yeah. So, but can you imagine like hearing this in 1983? Though, like this had to have been crazy to hear. Like there was, I don't. Other than like hardcore music, there was nothing fast like that. Nothing that hard, that heavy, that fast. Yeah. That screaming. I just, I mean, that must have been like. I don't like a revolutionary thing hearing show numbers. Well, people were liking it because this album became the highest selling release that Metal Blade Records did at the time. So, you know, this this Slayer was, I wouldn't say they were like an instant hit, but they were like getting some buzz quick when this album came out. Like they were getting like, this is a band to see. Yeah, they were, they were, they were huge. Um, I mean, you know, until Metallica like eclipsed them. They were like the biggest thrash metal band. Well, there were very few thrash metal bands, I guess, but they were the biggest thrash metal band at, at the time, for sure. Yes. So, and then, um, yeah. So, you know, back back in this day, too, you'd have your, your side one and side two of the record as well. Mm-hmm. So, and of course, you know, on the in the imagery, we had the, uh, the, the famous uh, guy... <laughs> Oh no! The famous uh, guy kind of looks like some Mortal Kombat character. He has like two swords in his hand. Slayer's logos right there too. So you know this is a really good co- cover album as well. Yeah, I mean, like that. I mean, that's one of the things that I think people don't do very well anymore. Is that you need to have an album cover that's gonna make somebody want to buy it. You know, and like if I saw that album cover in a record store, I'd be like, "Wow, what does this sound like?" Yeah, you know that's album artwork. There, people, the, the, it's a it's a lost art. I think people just don't do that much anymore. Exactly, they'll have some out of focus photograph of something and expect me to buy their record with uh, with that kind of shit on the front. But yeah, you need you need guys with swords and uh, things that look violent and pentagrams, and that that's that's what sells records. Yes, got to get those gimmicks in, brother. So um, the 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 tracks, the Antichrist, Die by the Sword, and Black Magic, were probably like the most recognizable Slayer songs because that's the ones they were playing a lot at the live shows. Mm-hmm. So those were definitely and there. still play. And yeah, they well, still they play still play those all the way up to the end. Yeah. Yeah. So and then you know once the the touring set off, you know, uh, it was pretty interesting. You know, so like just a little backstory. You know, when this album was hitting off. You know, like the Slayer, you know, they they had to find places to tour, and like, they're finally going to be going around, you know, the the U.S. and touring. So apparently, you know, the 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 guy who signed them, Brad, he like gave them like contact numbers and and stuff to to get a hold of these venues so they can get booked for the show. Mm. 
and the whole band you know tom was like okay are we doing this like we're, we're going on this tour let's just do it so like he left his job for them and they just went on tour and did everything and then you know for a while like just like every newer type upcoming band you know even if your cd is selling out pretty good you still got to make your money you know doing touring and stuff and you know they were struggling for a little bit because they're still like you know probably at this time they're probably still like a little bit of opening acts for everybody and they're just kind of like building their way up top so they could be the main act as well oh yeah i bet there were all kinds of bands that they were opening for that they were just completely blowing off the stage though yes like, I mean, you know, so they got somewhere in the mid- Midwest or something and are opening for some like, you know, I don't know, 70s inspired classic rock metal-ish band. And they're probably just blowing those guys completely off the stage. Oh, yeah, definitely. So what we'll do on the Facebook page, we'll play a little bit of Slayer from the show No Mercy. See if I could find some rare footage of these motherfuckers. But yeah, this shit was crazy, man. I would love to go to one of those like original Slayer shows. No, yeah, for sure. I mean, that'd be awesome. I mean, like, we definitely, you know, we always talk about, you know, how we would have acted and did, you know, during the 80s. And I definitely know, I probably definitely would have got that metal massacre compilation because that seemed like something up my eye. I was like getting those, like, those kind of compilations so I can hear new bands. You know, like nowadays, you know, you can go on, you know, uh, YouTube, you know, Facebook, you know, stuff like that. And you can hear new bands that way. Uh, There's a, um, you know, if you have like Apple Music, if you have Spotify and stuff, you're listening to a band, they'll recommend another band. But, you know, back in the day, it wasn't really like that. And, you know, back in the day, it's very rarely on radio stations, they would play this kind of metal music. I mean, there might be like maybe one you can find on there, possibly. But yeah, you know, talking about, you know, Slayer and everything, it's just crazy, you know, we definitely would have been um, going on their shows and, uh, you know, trying to track them down during this particular time. It's definitely pretty, it's it's very interesting when you see a band, like, from their beginnings to their, when they rise up to fame and stuff, so. Yeah, because that's, that's interesting because that, like, those Metal Massacre, like, compilations are the only way we would have ever been able to hear this band. Yeah, you know I mean, because the internet didn't exist, so like you know, we would be able to maybe go in our local record store, and um, uh, you know, get uh, Metal Massacre and like and hear a Slayer track on it that we would never have heard otherwise. Um, I do have one kind of quick story about local record stores during this time period. If you have time to hear that, go ahead. Yeah, you might find that interesting. So on November fifteenth, now I don't remember exactly what day this happened to me, of course. But um, on November 15th um, was uh, the day that Ozzy Osbourne released Bark at the Moon, which is like the first studio album he did after Randy Rhodes died. Um, you know, the one it had the first one with uh, Jakey e. Lee playing guitar. And it's got speaking of cool cover art, it's got this, uh, you know, it's got that werewolf cover on it that, that with Ozzy and the werewolf makeup, which I've always thought was just iconic. It's just an amazing cover. And in the in the mall here where, where we live like i there used to be a little family-owned record store which i can't remember what it was called i want to say it was called family records maybe even but i could i could tell you i could i could take you exactly to where it was um but i used to go in there and um look at at uh music while my 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 mom was shopping or whatever as a little little kid and i can remember they had this huge gigantic poster on the wall of Ozzy Osbourne's Bark at the Moon cover. And I thought I was so like intrigued by it. I thought it was the coolest thing I had ever seen. And that's, that's actually what made me like 
search out like more metal like Ozzy and things like that because I thought that was the coolest thing I had ever seen. I can remember that to this day. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty cool. Like, I mean, I didn't know. Uh, you know, speaking of finding bands and stuff, like, you know, I think we I talked about it before. Like, most of the time when I was growing up as a kid, I was listening to some like R and B and rap and everything. It wasn't until I had uh, I actually moved to Texas and I uh, became friends with the Bloodbeard, uh, my my uh, another uh, podcast host that I had on my different show. He was actually right. the one who introduced me to Slayer. And I remember it to this day. So um, it was, there was this place in, in Texas where I lived. It was called the Vista Ridge Mall. And at this mall, um, they had a, a record store. Um, I, don't, I don't remember what the, you know, I still remember big record stores. Like I remember our Virgin Records. They used to have a big Virgin Records store in uh, malls that I used to go to all the time. And we'd pick out like DVDs and CDs and stuff. Um, I remember mm-hmm. this particular one wasn't a, a Virgin Records. It was like something else. But, you know, we get in there and he's like, hey, you know, you ever seen this? I was like, what is this? this is a Slayer. He's like, you got to listen to this stuff. And I think the first Slayer album I got was the, the God Hates Us All one. But, you know, right. then after that, I started listening to some of the, uh, the earlier stuff. And I was like hooked right away. So I bought like all their CDs. I still have all their CDs nowadays, too. So. It's always fun when I get to talk about Slayer because they're probably the definitely my first um, thrash band or very first like very that type of music band I've ever listened to. So very 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 fun to talk about them anytime I can. And of course we'll probably oh, yeah. we'll probably pick out a little track here at the end to, to take us home. But nothing about the history stuff. I know we had I told you guys we had a jam packed history segment, but let's get into Sleepaway Camp. Good old sleepaway yes. camp. This movie is very, very mm. interesting in a couple ways. So, you know, obviously, you know, the, the biggest movie when it comes to camps and horror movies and camps is obviously Friday the 13th. You yes. know, that's always going to be the biggest movie. And when people think about, okay, we want camps, we want horror movies, the movie that always comes to mind is always going to be Friday the 13th, which it, yes. it deservedly show because they're the ones that pretty much invented it and they're the ones that made it the most popular. But... yes. But I think this Sleepaway Camp movie is a very sleeper of a series. I think it, I don't think it gets as much like recognition as it does. It does get really good recognition, but I think it's a very good, like, just different style of a horror movie. You know, like I like the realism. Yeah. I like the real, the real, the realism of this movie. Um, it's very, it's very controversial in a way on certain parts. Like, I don't think you could do this movie today. So let me pause this. So, okay, spoiler King, let me pause you right there before we say this. So I did want to tell the people out there, like the casual listeners that who, who haven't seen all these movies. If you want to watch sleepaway camp, you should pause the show right now and watch the movie and then come back. Cause if at the end of this movie, the impact will be completely gone. Yes, that's true. Um, So you, you really should, if you have any interest in it, you should definitely watch this before we talk about it because we will spoil the shit out of it and it it, it, if you know how it ends it just doesn't have the impact yeah if you if you know how it ends and then you watch it so you should definitely pause the show we'll wait on you just watch the watch the movie and then and come back and you can find it on peacock by the way that's where i watched it from yep 
So, you know, you know, obviously, if somebody tunes in here, they should kind of know that we're going to talk about the movie and spoil it. But, you know, that you're true because this one has the impact. You got to pretty much watch it into the end to get the whole yeah. gist of what's going on in the actual story. Yeah, it's something you have to see for the first time. Like, yes. you just can't be told about it and it still be impactful. Now, there's a lot of background to this movie. Um, it's almost like almost too much to go over. So, what I'll do is, you know... If you guys go on the Facebook page, there's actually a documentary they did about Sleepaway Camp. Um, and I'll post that on the uh, um, the Facebook page. And it's very interesting. You know, you got like a lot of like, you know, um, from, from the cast. You know, Felicia Rose talks about how she got on there. The person who played Rick talks about how he got on there. Uh, a lot of interesting facts behind the scenes of the movie. That's a, a little bit even more, you know, a little bit more in depth than what we could break down over here but you know th this film was filmed in new york so you know th there's a bunch of new like i swear everybody had a fucking new york accent in this movie it was crazy oh god yeah <laughs> so it just it just you know the the filming wise you know what, what it was like you know like like we were saying before like you could tell like it's like it's it's about to be going into like um winter time because we had like the uh, the leaves are falling down and everything and they, they just made it look like it's supposed to be in in the summertime so that part was pretty interesting about it. So, but um, I say we get into it, everybody. I say we get into the it. breakdown of Sleepaway Camp. Dear Mom and Dad, I've been at Sleepaway Camp for almost three weeks. And I'm getting very scared. Welcome to Sleepaway Camp. Someone is watching you. Hey, Baba, Someone is waiting for you. Someone wants to scare you to death. Sleep away, camp. You won't be coming home. All right. So the 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 intro of this movie is kind of weird. It said, "In fond memory of Mom Adore." So like, <laughs> this had like nothing to do with anything. You know what I mean? Uh, no, I mean I just assumed that the guy that wrote and directed it just dedicated it to his mom. Who was a doer, I suppose. Okay. But uh, I just, I don't know. I just, I, I, I'm assuming that, which is, but it's kind of weird that the the premise of this movie, with the premise of this movie and what it's about, that it was dedicated to his mom. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I was like, I hope his mom wasn't like this mom, because boy, that'd have been something. And, it, and but the know, guy never, it did never make another movie until he made another Sleepaway Camp film. Yes. And so, which is interesting know. about this too, like he, uh, the camp that they used, um, to, to film the movie, he's actually been there. Uh, he does actually the uh, the camp that he used to go to as a kid. So it, yeah, it was filmed yeah. in Argyle, New York, and it was camp. It was formerly known as Camp Alguanine. Um, and then you know the Robert guy, the Robert who 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 made the film. He said he used to visit this camp as long ago when he was a kid. So definitely kind of kind of neat to go back to a place to film at a camp that you used to go to as a kid, I guess. So. Mm -hmm. But we start off, we have John in the water with two kids screaming at each other. All right. 
Then we got a couple. Well, I don't know if they're a couple, but we have Craig and we have Mary. And they're driving a boat. And they're doing the whole, like, water skiing thing. You ever done that before? Water skiing? No, I've never done water skiing. I have. It's fun. Have you ever done water skiing? Yeah. Yeah, I did it before when I used to live in the good old Miami. It is. Okay. It looks hard. I went to Miami Beach, brother. Water skied on that shit. It is hard. I fell down a bunch of times. Yeah, oh yeah. And I wasn't the uh, skinniest kid. I wasn't like our boy Rodney over here. Yeah, you're from the big city. Yes. So you can do stuff like that, yeah. So the whole time, uh, Mary wants to drive the boat. And Craig's like, I ain't gonna let you drive the boat. Your dad was gonna fire me and stuff. So we're at, we're we're in a, like a summer camp, you know, around this time too. So and Craig's just one of the guys that works at the summer camp, and eventually he caves in. Very easy, by the way. He's like, oh yeah, you could just do it. And during this whole time, the kids, um, we have Peter, and we have um, um, the other one was name was Angie. So anyway, we got these two kids on there, and the kids eventually push off their dad, John. All right, they're just playing around and everything. And eventually the girl, I guess, I don't know. They weren't even like, she wasn't even like looking where she was going. She was just staring at this Craig guy the whole time. And then for some reason they don't see him, but the girl who's water skiing, who, when, if you do water, it's kind of hard to see what's kind of in front of you, but she sees the whole thing. She's like, stop, there's stop it. And like, look, look ahead. There's a boat, there's a boat. And they're not paying attention. And eventually, um, there's this guy who they never say his name, but the 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 guy's name is Lenny. Lenny is out there and he's all like, "John, we have to get out of here. Um, we have an appointment at like at 4:30 and stuff." Um, and then uh, the kids are asking like, "Oh, is uh, Ricky coming by?" He's like, "No, Ricky's staying at his, uh, his his grandma's house." And then eventually the 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 boat is going straight towards John, and the kids are all screaming. And eventually the the boat runs over John's arm. And then, like, this Lenny guy, his line was like, John. Did I do it right? Yeah, that was pretty good. It's like... Pretty accurate. John. Like, he's not freaking out or nothing. He just goes, John, and then he just looks. Shocked. And then everybody else looks over shocked. And the only person that's freaking out is the girl in the, doing the water skiing. She's like, oh, help him, help him, help him. Nobody's helping him. They're just, like, staring at everybody. Yeah. So, John has been ran over by a boat and is gone. Okay. So, now, I guess, just a couple years later. They didn't say that, but we just assume. Uh, we're in a house, right? And the mo- boy, I don't... This mom, like, it's, her acting is something else. Okay. Yeah, I was a little confused by this. <laughs> yes. I mean, I haven't seen this movie in years and years and years until we watched it for the show. So I'm watching it kind of with fresh eyes in a way. Um, yes. But like her just incredible. Like I can't figure out. I mean, obviously, this is what they intended for it to be. But it's just like so ridiculous and like over the top acting. Yes. Um, I mean, I, so, I don't know. I'm not sure what the intention is here. So the um so the 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 mom which is actually the aunt to Angela yeah. is the mother of Ricky. So she her acting is basically like, "Oh. Well, everybody is woken up here. That's great. Hey, you guys are going to summer camp. Well, let me make sure I pack your lunch." Oh, okay. This will be do it. 
That's like some weird shit. Um, yeah. So, <laughs> and as I was say, like it struck me as like this like 1940s type acting. Yeah. Like if you watch a movie from the 40s, like that's how a lot of people uh, acted and how like a lot of like lines were delivered. And I just I just think this whole thing is just bizarre. Like this whole scene is really strange and completely different than the rest of the movie. Yes. Every time she was on the screen, I guess. So I at first, you know, they didn't really like, they didn't really explain who she was. So at first, I thought this might be like maybe the uh, the two kids' mother, and maybe she just went wacko when her husband died. But we found out that this is actually Rick Ricky's mom, and that's just the way she is. <laughs> she yeah, just right. she just acts <laughs> like this normally. Okay, right? She's just a wacko. Yeah, she's just a wacko. And she's all like, oh, kitties, I got your lunch packed. And Ricky's like, there's no chips in here. Like every freaking kid, <laughs> he just wants some damn chips. And then they're like, okay, well, you guys are going to be going off to summer camp. And she's like, oh, wait a minute, I forgot something. Oh, wait a minute, I put this string on my hand so I wouldn't forget. Am I doing Am I doing her pretty, I'm, doing, I'm trying. <laughs> you're not even close to the, I mean, you're, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> like the uh, level of overacting that she was doing, like just, I mean, I don't even want to say it's overacting. It's just like so over the top was like uh, just unbelievable. Like yes. I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe that they ran film on that and said, okay, that's great. Cut. That's great. Yes. And she's all like, wait a minute. I know what I was supposed to get. I was supposed to get your physicals. Here you go. <laughs> oh, by the way, don't tell them how you got these physicals. Cause you know, I don't used to be them. a doctor. <laughs> hint, hint of movie, hint of swerve, hint. I'll take care of my little girl, Ricky. Okay. I mean, I realize that that is a hint of the swerve at the end of this movie, but yes. there is no way. If anybody in this planet told me that they figured out the swerve to this movie, I would say they're full of shit. There is no way you could see this coming. Let's see. Now, now, and even with her like sly hint of what was going to happen, no, um, not even with yeah. her sly hint. Now, if now, which is beauty of movies sometimes is when you find out the the hidden secret and you watch it back, you're like, okay, I can see where they're doing hints here and there and stuff. Yeah. So that that's the beauty of this movie, which I, I got to give the director guy a lot of credit. He did it. They did one of those things where they they put the hints in there, and when you watch it back, like, oh, there's there's the hint there. Here's the hint there. So. Very, very, very good. I like I like movies that do that. You know, that you can watch them over and over again and find little hints that you didn't see before. So we have arrived at the campsite. And boy, this is when we meet some of the camp. Like, this is the 80s, bro. Okay, the 80s, people are fucking wearing short shorts, short t-shirts, socks up to here and there. Like, you, you get it. You got it. And we have this Rodney guy. My boy Rodney. He's just fucking jacked to moon. It's like a fucking mini little mini mini Rocky, right there yelling at everybody. We have Mel. Mel is the camp um, owner. He is uh, screaming at everybody too. And this is when we get a weird scene. So we have the the cooks looking at the kids, and we have Artie. Yeah. And Artie is saying some questionable stuff on this program this we was, are watching. Yeah, this was shocking to me. Like, I didn't remember this because I haven't seen this movie since the 90s, probably. Maybe mm-hmm. before then. And this was shocking to me. Um, cause I And I also actually, it was sh- so shocking to me that I actually did research on this. And I guess, I mean, giving everybody the benefit of the doubt. Um, I mean, in my notes, I actually wrote Artie as a pedophile. Yeah. But... Um, <laughs> 
But I mean, like I was, I was like, what ages do, do people, do kids go to camp? And apparently you can go to camp as late as like 15. So I guess if you really wanted to stretch, you know, the mo the propriety to the, to the, to the greatest extreme, I guess you could think some of these kids are like 15 years old. Bro, there's um, no way this guy still, like no. Artie is just like no. Are you saying that the the limit age was yeah. 15? What what that's that's just in my short oh, okay. research of what Gotcha. So some of the uh, lines that Artie was saying. <laughs> we have you no, know, but he's a counselor. Who, Bill? Yeah. Oh, Bill was a counselor? I thought he was like one of the teenager kids. What? what uh, hold on. Wasn't he? Hold on. Let me look. Let's look this up. Yeah, because I thought some of the counselor guys was like Gino, Eddie. Are you, Bill, are you talking about? The Billy, the guy who got killed by the bees. Oh, no, no, no. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're right. That He he was a, yeah, he was, he was going to the, to the camp. Yeah. There's no way you could tell me that motherfucker was 15. All right. <laughs> so. But Artie was saying some of the lines like, young, fresh chicken. Right. What, do you, what do you call so, a young, fresh yeah. chicken? Yeah, so this Artie guy, he's like, you know what you call fresh chickens? We call them baldies. And he's like, and then like the Ben guy, he was like the, uh, the, the, the other cook, he was all like, they're too young to be on your mind. He's like, he's like they're not, they're not going to be too young. Like, he's just saying a bunch of creepy, creepy lines. So yeah, and it just got worse and worse. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so this is when Paul he meets up with Ricky. So Paul and Ricky are best friends, and Paul is now meeting Angela for the first time. Um, and then Rick wants to find where um, uh, Judy is. Oh, hold on, hold on, hold on one second. I'm going to make sure her name was Judy. I couldn't tell if it was... Yeah, it was Judy. Yes. So, Rick wants to find where Judy is because they used to go steady. And apparently, Paul, uh, Paul said that now Judy has big uh, knockers now by doing his little hand thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She's she's like the bully girl, right? Yes. The bully girl. Yes. Yeah. 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 So, Ricky tries to talk to her. She kind of blows her off a little bit. And this is ba- basically when... Um, so, at this time, at this particular point of the movie now we're beginning angela has not said a word at all she is pretty much like a mute she does not talk she doesn't anything she just stares yes right? so for rick, about 30 minutes yes for a long time so rick tells her to go you know go to her bunk and he's going to be in and bunker he's going to be at bunker 19 all right um this is when this is when judy and and rick talk a little bit and he basically is like the Judy girl kind of blows him off a little bit, like she's too good to take the to, to hang out with Rick for a little bit. So he calls her a bitch. All right. So now we have Meg and Susan. They take control, and they um they are like taking control of the the they're like the main two counselors of the yes. the women's uh, room. And this is when we have Angela staring at Judy very hard. Uh, Judy's just telling her, like, you know, it's like, well, what's going on with this girl? You know, why you keep staring at me? You know, why don't you just take a picture? And then um, uh, Judy's friend is just like, you know, we got a funny one over here. So we're seeing, like, some, like, you know, like like always when it comes to, like, kids and younger generations, teens and stuff, there's always going to be 
um, bullies, and there's always going to be like team uh, uh, rivalries going on this time. Yeah. So we're, we're yeah, establishing exactly. that right now in the film. Yeah. So now the I thought uh, this. Go ahead. Sorry, I was gonna say I thought this scene was hilarious where she when they go talk to Meg. Like yeah. it's another kind of overacting scene where they're like Meg and Susie are in there, and she's like, "I my name is Meg M E G." Like like you can't spell Meg. Like they yeah, have to spell like, Meg. For the kids. And then she's like, "And this is Susie," but she doesn't spell Susie's name. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I just thought this whole thing was like really. And she's like, "Susie is the complaints department." Yes. And then we go on with this like scene of them talking about how they're in charge of everything. Yep, and then we're now we're at the uh, the the hall where the kids are eating, all right. And Angela refuses to eat, and they're all kind of like, "Why isn't this girl eating nothing?" And eventually, our boy Rodney shows up. So Rodney is the guy who's the main camp counselor. He basically looks like he is either a fan of the Fonz or he's a fan of Rocky, because boy, this guy was jacked. He had the fucking uh, Rocky haircut. Fucking mm-hmm. this guy, if there, he was not wearing a large or a medium. He was wearing a medium. All right, medium. <laughs> he was ready to go. He was like, "Fuck it, look at these biceps, Playboy." Okay, so he he goes up and he's like, "Hey, you know what's going on, Angela? You haven't ate this whole time here. Is nothing you like in anything over here? Why don't we go to the kitchen see if we can find you something?" And of course, like Judy and her friend, are like, "Why is she getting special treatment? She's like some sort of spoiled brat." So, so Ronnie brings her into the kitchen. They meet with the main cook, the the Artie, and this guy. Like, I don't know if you caught it, but he's drinking like a Miller, a Miller, a Miller Light. Yeah, that's the least uh. disturbing thing about Artie. Yes, but he's all drinking on the job, and everything. Uh, he's like creepy, you know. He's saying like, "Yes, I'm the head of the chef. I'll make you something. Why don't we find something in the pantry?" And of course, during this time, Rodney gets a call, and he goes off and he leaves uh, Angela with uh, Artie. And then, you know, we have Rick. He's kind of looking for Angela, too. And the girls are saying, like, you know, why is she acting so weird? You know, why, why is he like that? And Rick, he's always been very, like, um, defensive of, of Angela. It's like, you know, just quit it. She's just quiet and stuff. You know what I mean? She's just trying to get used, used to this whole place. And he's just trying to defend her. And then one of the girls is like, oh, she's so quiet. She's so quiet that she could be dead. Ooh, sick burn. um so Artie now has angela in the room he's like oh yeah we could find you something to eat uh you're just as sweet looking as a cupcake and then this motherfucker starts taking off his belt he's like i know what you want i'm like oh shit this movie's turned dark quick and then rick yeah like this was really dark like this was just like that's like like it, I wouldn't say it's offensive. I mean, it was offensive to me, but it was. Yeah. It's it's like it's one of those things where it's like, this is not even like. Uh, but this guy wasn't even hiding what he was. Like he was just giving all yeah, these hints, they, and like everybody else is like, oh, okay, <laughs> it's yeah, fine. everybody else, you know. But then again, everybody else that worked there and and that ran the camp was kind of shitty too. Like Mel turns out to be pretty shitty. Yeah. And um, you know, the only the only guy that was worth a shit that ran the place was the other cook, the black dude. Yeah, no, Rodney was good too. He was a, he yeah. he helped out a and lot. And Rodney, yeah, that's true. And Rodney, yeah. But it was um um but it was you know, it's just like I mean, he's going to take this girl who at the very most if we pushed it to the extreme, she's 15, right? Yeah. At the very most she's 15 years old. And while all the other kids are eating in the other room, he's going to like take her into the pantry and like make her suck his dick. 
Yeah, like, but I, I didn't even get the whole thing. Like, how did you not think you're not going to get caught? <laughs> this guy is just well, something else. I mean, you can only think that he's probably done it a lot of times before and never got caught. Yeah. Or maybe Mel doesn't care because Mel's a piece of shit too, as we find out later. But, you know, it's just like, I'm just, when I just saw that, I was like, I can't believe this is in the script. I cannot believe this was written in this movie. Yeah. And then Ricky comes I mean, in and he's all like, you didn't see nothing, insane. kid. And he basically tells him not that he didn't see anything. And he's Ricky's like, okay. And they just leave. So, like, this is like a, it's crazy to think that this movie, like, I mean, obviously that's probably a real issue. That even probably even happens like nowadays of having like, these yeah, creeps sure it is. being in these camps with their kids and stuff because the strangers, you know, these strangers that are pedophiles in these camps and stuff, that's like a really scary, high intense issue. Yeah, so. I mean, I'm sure it does happen, but it's not something that probably happens all the time, you know, but mm-hmm. but I'm sure it's something that does happen and definitely during this era probably did happen, but... You know, it's just like, it's like one of those things that we talk about all the time, but you couldn't put that in a movie today. Yeah. Like you just couldn't, you couldn't do that. Even, There's, even with him being a bad guy, you just couldn't do that. Today. Yeah, exactly. No, it just, it, it wouldn't, it wouldn't fly today. It'd be like too, mm-hmm. too hard hitting of too, too realistic. Um, so yeah. after all this stuff, you know, Ben's like, Hey man, what's going on with this stuff? And he's like, Oh, I just scared the kids. So he's, he's trying to like cover it up. Um, then we see a scene of uh, Artie you know, getting some corn ready. And this is when we get the first-person killer view, which yeah. definitely was well, popularized with Halloween. Correct. One thing you didn't mention is, so this this thing doesn't end up happening. Um, so Ricky runs in and saves Angela from, from getting uh, uh, molested by Artie the pedophile. Yes, yes, yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. He came in, then he threatened him, and then they left. Right. Yeah. So um, we're down to ten minutes. By the way, you want me to start a new thing? Yeah, that's fine. Okay. All right. So where were we? Were like uh, I had just mentioned that she didn't get molested. Yeah. This is when Ricky came and saved her, and they ran out. Yeah. This is when um, Artie's now cooking some corn. All right. And then Ben leaves to go to go uh, get something, and then. Um, Artie's like testing, testing the corn, put it in there, make sure it's all good. Then we see the first person killer view that was made popular by Halloween. And he, mm-hmm. uh, the, the killer, um, touches, you know, kind of like pushes Artie over and he's like, Yeah, oh, you little brat, you little kid. Uh, get me down from here. I'll give you some ice cream. And he eventually like pushes over. He's like, You fucking kid. And then eventually all the pots of the hot water falls on Ricky, I mean, Artie. And uh, he burns, and we see uh, him screaming for a long time with Ben running in there with his underwear, uh, freaking out. Yep. So, so Artie the pedophile is dead. Yes. Or he's badly burnt, and he's screaming or the badly whole time. Bur- yeah, he could be badly burnt. Yes. Um, so now now it is the, there's a detective in there, you know, saying what happened. And Mel the whole time is basically, okay, it's an accident. He accidentally dropped on there and stuff he's like well we don't know that for sure he's like no it probably was an accident he's like ronnie just don't tell anybody you know we can't afford to have the parents know that an accident like this happened because they won't send the kids over here we're just gonna cover it up all right and then um he tells he's like what about them the cooks he's, he's like i'll take care of the cooks so he goes over to the cooks he's like listen guys hey ben guess what you're now the head cooks you're you're, you're the head cook guy and he's like, okay. He's like, well, basically what we're going to do is uh, I'm going to pay you guys some more. You'll get an extra 50 bucks. They'll get an extra 15. And we're just going to keep all this stuff quiet. So that's the gist. Yeah, they, right. 
They basically split Artie's pay with everybody else. Yes, exactly. To keep them quiet. And then eventually Ben agrees. He's like, okay, yeah, well, we'll keep it quiet. So he agrees and everything. And then basically they're going to tell everybody, it's like, Artie, he didn't get accident or anything. He just left because he got a different job. All right. And then let's get this dinner going. So now we have the, the younger kids, the definitely the 15-year-old kids. They're playing some game where they, they play it with this guy named uh, Moses. Uh, and then uh, they have the, the sheet on his head and eventually goes up to the guy's ass. You ever played that game before, Allison, with your friends? You put a, no. put a little rag on him. You make him come up and fall into somebody's ass. I have never, no, not in my whole life. Okay, well, you're missing I, out. I, I have you? Oh, apparently. Is it, was it fun? I'm, I, I assume you spent your childhood doing this? Well, I could see me doing something like this, my friends. I, I'd probably be the, I'd be like Rick. I'd be like, yeah, we're going to get this fucker. Right, yeah. You you go water skiing at the country club and then uh, yeah. then do the towel over the ass over the ass game, I guess. Yeah, towel over the ass game, though. <laughs> So uh, then Gino walks in. Boy, you talk about New York. This motherfucker walks in. Hey, what's up, everybody? Hey, I got some uh, fucking, uh, you guys are playing this baseball game. I got some $5 on you guys. And this guy had the fucking gimmick where he had the, the shirt on with the show in the belly. Oh, yeah. Like, fuck, okay. My boy Those Gino. are coming back. Like, people are, like, kids are, like, people in their, like, yeah. 20s or whatever are wearing those again now. And this is when we have the uh, the baseball game. And, uh, uh, <laughs> This Rick guy, he was just fucking... This guy had a potty mouth like ever. He was like, fucking, you suck, Bill. You fucking... Uh, you fucking <laughs> he was like, you fucking suck, Bill. You fucking... Uh, uh, Bill, you fucking suck dead dog dick. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, shit, okay, damn. And then, like, um, Bill was like, eat shit and die. And then Rick was like, eat shit and live. Okay. <laughs> And this Which Bill I guess guy, is worse. And this fucking Bill guy. There's no way this guy was like 15. He had he looked like he was either 18 or 19 at most. He almost looked like he was 20. Okay. Well, yeah, but that's a common problem with movies like this, right? Because yeah. you can't get people who are 15 to be actors. Like the girl that played Judy, there is no way she's like 15 years old. Yeah, she could probably probably pass for 18 <laughs> at the most. Yeah, yeah. And fucking the outfits on these guys, classic. These 80s outfits are so classic. <laughs> I love it. Fucking super short shorts, tight shirt, fucking just going crazy. So they're playing baseball, and eventually they do like the... It's, I, I call them the teenager group compared to the younger kids group. And the teenager group better them $5 that they wouldn't win. And, of course, the younger group kicks their ass during the whole time. Um, they're like, you know, every time they hit the ball, they're getting home runs and everything. And there's one part that was funny... Um, there was like kid Moses. He was like playing his video game, and the ball gets hit, and he doesn't pay attention. And that kind of reminds me of me when I used to play baseball when I was a young kid. They always put me in the outfield because I was a fat kid. And uh, I remember one time, like the ball got hit towards me, and I woke. I was like falling asleep, and I woke up and I got it and I threw it. <laughs> wow! Quick, quick luckily, goes. luckily the ball didn't hit you or fall right in front of you, and then everybody yells at you for causing a run that you could have prevented. Yes. And, uh, well, one time, um, that I tried to catch a ball, the sun got in my eye and the ball actually hit my face. So that shit sucked. And it was one of those like real baseballs, not the fake ones. Right. Yeah, definitely. Um, so up next, you know, uh, 
So basically, Rick team kicks all the teenager guys' ass. And so now we're having a little bit of uh, young kids versus the teenager group um, little quarrel going on over here. And then, you know, they're, they're talking to uh, the Gino, like, hey, give us some real competition next time. Maybe we'll play the girls. So we are now at the social. Okay. The social is basically where all the kids go and they dance and they eat and they flirt. All right. So we have the older kids. Uh, one of them is Mike. Uh, one of them is Bill. And one of them is Kevin. Kevin's the guy with the blue oyster cult shirt on. Yeah, I noticed that too. <laughs> yes. Their plan is they want to get the girls. They want them to go skinny dipping with them. That's mm -hmm. the plan. At first, the girls are blowing their mouths. They're like, okay, why don't we try that Angela one over there? She's like, well, what, what do you mean Angela? It's like, she doesn't even talk. Like, why don't we try it? So they basically bet themselves to go talk. So Kevin goes over there to talk with um, Angela. And he's kind of like trying to flirt with her a little bit. Uh, but she's not not talking. She just basically doesn't talk. And so eventually, like, Kevin and his friend gets all, um, they get all buddy, butthurt pretty much. And they're just like, you know, making fun of her. And the, uh, the, 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 the place, it's all social, but it's like the canteen is where you get all your snacks and your food from. So now Rick walks in with some sort of cowboy hat on. Like his hot shit now. And then he goes over to, he hears like Kevin and all them, you know, making fun of Angela. So he goes over there and starts fighting that Kevin guy. And then all the fucking guys just like all gang up on each other. Mel just like sits back like, oh yeah, fucking boys will be boys. <laughs> and then eventually Gino's the one who stops it and he, and he separates them. And then now this is when Paul goes up to Angie. He's apologizing for what happened, everything. And then Paul is just talking about how him and Rick have been friends for three years and they used to get in trouble by throwing girls' panties on trees. And uh, Angie, she's all getting all excited about this one. She's like, yes. And then during this whole time, Judy is jealous. Because she's just sitting over there with two dudes staring a hole through this fucking girl. Yep. And then eventually Bill, I'm um, Bill. Eventually Paul says, you know, good night. And this is when Angela speaks her first words. She says, good night. And everybody's shocked. <laughs> after, th after 30 minutes yes. of the movie. She hasn't had a single line in this whole movie yes. so far. And, and then we can get her to shut up. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so <laughs> this is an awesome scene <laughs> this is like my low-key favorite scene in the movie i don't know why so we have kevin and mike they're smoking weed okay but the rest of the guys are like listen girls are you girls gonna come skinny dip with us or not they're like no well fuck you girls you girls don't know how to fun have fun all of us guys we're gonna go skinny dipping anyway <laughs> all right so these guys just fucking just t take off all their trousers and a bunch of naked ass dudes just fucking run into the lake and the girls just look mm -hmm. on and they're having a grand old time this is what you do at camps i know you've never been to I, a camp john. So, yeah. so john when you're at a camp there's a couple things you gotta know okay you gotta be yeah. good at baseball okay you gotta play tricks on your on your with your friends by slapping their head and asses and you gotta skinny dip <laughs> with only guys that's what we do at yeah. camp okay duh Apparently, that's what camp is. Yes. And dodge pedophiles and terrible people that run the camp. Yeah. Duh. I mean, come on. This is normal stuff, no. man. So, Kevin and Mike, they're done smoking weed. All right? I don't know how they even snuck in the weed, but they did. 
And now, uh, and now um, uh, K- Kenny is super high and everything, and eventually invites um, uh, Connie to go on to uh, a little boat canoe ride with him. All right? And boy, this Mike guy, this guy, he was super high during this. So, you know, they're on the boat now. Uh, Kevin is, uh, um, you know, make, Kenny, my bad. Kenny is uh, making fun of, he says there's water snakes out here, turtles and shit, and then eventually flips the boat over. Uh, the girl's super pissed. She gets out of there. But Kenny's still underneath the boat. And this is when we get the scene of um, the killer underneath the boat. And he's like, what are you doing here? The guys would be very interested you're here. And then eventually gets drowned. And of course, you know, the guys are done skinny dipping now. Our boy Bill has the whitest tidy whities I've ever seen. Those are super, I mean, I was like blinding me. That's yeah. how white they were. Yeah, they were, they were like, they were definitely uh, starched. <laughs> the little um, things I they, noticed. They <laughs> well, yeah, like, what's well, kind of like at the beginning of the movie, I noticed that one thing I, th- I thought was like in the scene where uh, uh, the dad gets killed on the boat like when he first stands up like his his swimming trucks are the, basically the same color as his skin yeah and when he first when he first stood up i was like is this guy naked like are we starting out this hot on this thing but uh no he, he was just wearing peach colored uh swimsuits yeah so now the all the, the 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 boys are not leaving they ask for kenny they think he's fucking around and then eventually mike's like hey Ken, let's go it's like fuck him mike let's get out of here so they all leave yeah, fuck Kenny. Yeah, fuck Kenny. Uh, so the, <laughs> this part is pretty funny. So the next morning, I'm guessing this is like the lifeguard security. I didn't really catch his name. So we have three main male counselors. We have Rodney, which is like the, the nice um, Rocky one. We have Gino, the super New York one. And then we have this guy. Um, I'm just going to call him the lifeguard guy. He is like falling down pissed off. He's like, fuck these fucking kids and shit, putting all this furniture in the water and everything. He's like, who left this boat here? Who left this boat here? And he turns around the boat and this is when we see dead Kenny with a snake coming out of his mouth. Yep. And then of course the cops are called now. Um, yes. So now, so now at this point, so we're, they're trying to swerve everybody as to who the killer is, right? You're supposed to be, you're supposed to be suspect all these terrible people right like you were originally you were going to suspect Artie, but then Artie gets killed or maybe he's not maybe he's, you know maybe he comes back um and then i guess you could you could you could put the lifeguard in this list too of people who are kind of assholes who might kill kids or whatever well no this lifeguard is the one that found the kid so he was pretty shocked so i don't think he would have been the killer oh well that's true you're right that's true he was pretty shocked when he found the kid yeah so you know right now it's just a mystery of who the killer is we don't really know for sure who was going on uh, so this is also too when we get the um, the cop and then Mel. He's his whole gimmick is that we got to keep this under wraps. All right, yeah. this is just an accident. We're keeping it under wraps. And the cop's like, no, we don't know this until we do the autopsy. He's like, no, it's an accident. I swear it is. Uh, let's not make this a big deal. You know, just take the kid no back and an stuff. Autopsy. Yeah. <laughs> and the cop, the cop's like, listen, we probably need to do this autopsy. Then we'll know if there's foul play or not because the kid didn't have any bruises or nothing like that on him. And then eventually Mel leaves and Rodney's like to the cop is like, you know, like, sorry about Mel. He probably just doesn't want to have a lot of, uh, a whole lot of uh, um, people knowing about this. And then the cop is like, hey, uh, were you going to say something, you know, before you're empty? I was like, yeah. It's like, I don't remember this Kevin guy being like not a good swimmer. So we're, we're seeing like, 
male and all of them are trying to cover it up like it's an accident, but there's there's some uh, foul play going on here where they, they might be a killer or not. So this is when the girls, they're now playing volleyball. All right. Paul comes up to Angie, talks to her for a little bit, and he invites her to watch a movie with her tonight at the movie hall. And she agrees. And then after this, we have Judy's friend come up to her, like, or, or this is when Judy says, how come all of us have to play volleyball while Angie over there can talk with the boys? <laughs> Did I do that right? That was perfect. Gotcha. I could be a sassy uh, brat girl on here. You could. All you right? could. So then the other girl goes and threaten them. She's like, hey, I know you don't want to play volleyball with us or do any other activity. If you don't want to do these activities with us, that means you can't talk to the boys either. And this is when Susan comes and says, get off her back and stuff. And she says, like, hey, it's okay if she talks to the boys and stuff. Don't worry about it. So we have Susan's kind of like on the side of Angie when it comes, or Angela, when it comes to all these like bullying tactics that Judy and her other friend like to do. All right, let's see. Now that we have the kids are leaving the movie theater, Paul and Angie, they walk off, and Judy and Rick's like, you know, <laughs> this guy, Rick, man, he, he don't give a fuck, this guy. He's like, hey, hey, Judy, you know, I know you're not paying attention too much right now. What's going on? We had some good times. Remember last summer? <laughs> He's trying. And this is when Paul, he kisses Angie twice. Angie freaks out, so she leaves. And then Judy is now flirting with Paul because she can't stand this Angela getting any kind of attention. She's like jealous and she just wants to be a brat. Yes. Yeah. So now we have, she just wants to take away whatever Angie has. Yes. So now we get more interactions with the kids, the younger kids uh, playing, playing around with that Mozart kid where they put the, uh, the whole uh, shaving cream in his hand. And then they, they, they put the feather and so he can get the shaving cream on his head. That's actually happened to me before. I actually had that 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 happen to me. And then, of course, this guy, this guy Mozart, he ain't playing around. He pulled a knife on that motherfucker. I was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and then Gino comes in. He's like, oh, stop playing around, everybody. And then eventually, she's like, all you guys need to go to sleep. Even you too, lover boy. Talking to Paul. And they all jump on him. So now we, now we have um, Angie. She's, she's on her, like, she's on a bench by the, uh, by the lake. And uh, Paul comes up behind her. He's like, guess who? And she's like, oh, is it Rick? Oh, is it Burnt Reynolds? <laughs> <laughs> I thought this scene was hilarious. I thought that was funny, too. And eventually, Judy interrupts. She's like, oh, look at the couple and stuff. And then eventually, she goes up to the uh, Judy's friend. And then the guy's like, oh, here comes the Wicked Weech. And he, he leaves. And now we have more of, um, we have more of uh, Judy's friends taunting uh uh, Angela is saying, like, you know, are you going to be going swimming with us or not? You're not going to go swimming? Answer me, answer me, answer me, answer me, answer me, answer me. And then eventually Ronnie breaks it up. And then this is when um, he breaks it up. And she's like, he won't, she won't answer me. So we have more scenes. We have Judy coming out of the shower. Uh, she's, she wants to thank Angie for, for getting uh, Meg in trouble. And then this is when um, Judy uh, taunts like a lot. She's saying all this stuff about Angela. This is a weird scene too. She's all like, how come you never take a shower with us? Is there something wrong down there? Do you not have like any hair down there? Have you not gotten puberty yet? What's going on? 
And then, of course, Susan's like, she just wants to take a shower alone. She could take it whenever she wants. She's like, no. And blah, blah, blah. And then eventually, Susan, Susan gets so fed up that she slaps Judy. So we're having another hint that the Angela character does not take showers or bathes with the other girls and stuff. So another mm-hmm. hint in the movie. And then Angie, she excuses herself and she leaves. So now we have the the older kids playing water balloons. Have you ever played water balloons there, Allison? I have played water balloons. That is something I have done. That's kind of fun. Yes. So I thought that was a good... And they are playing it on top of a roof. I'm like, fuck, man. That's kind of dangerous, but fuck it. We're kids. We don't give a fuck. Yeah, pretty much everything at this camp is pretty dangerous, if you really think about it. Yeah, I know. So one of the kids, I think it was Bill, he's the one that throws the water ball at Angela. And of course, Rick yeah. sees this, and he's pissed off. He's like, you fucking pussy chicken shit motherfuckers. I'm going to fight all you motherfuckers out here. This guy was ranting. Like, I was like, damn, we got to put this guy in a wrestling <laughs> promo. Like, this guy was just like, you, uh, my favorite line was like, I will kick your freaking ass all over this fucking camp. <laughs> and, then, and then eventually Mel comes and he calms uh, Rick down. He tells all the other kids to come down. And he basically uh, uh, tells like Rick and these other kids that they can't visit the canteen for a week. But the other kids don't care as long as Rick can't. So, and I was just like saying like, you know, this is when we actually see another scene and we have some more kids running. This Bill guy, so the Bill, like he's the guy who who, who has to take a massive shit right now. Mm-hmm. This guy did not look no 15, right? Like I said earlier. So Bill has to go take a shit before he meets up with everybody. And so we see a scene of the uh, the, the, the toilet that he's in. He's getting locked. And then with the knife, we had the, the, the screen being cut and eventually there's a beehive that he puts in there. And at first he thinks it's a joke. But it's no joke, brother. It's the real thing. Yep. So we have death by beehive. Death by beehive. Yeah. So at this point, we've it's kind of been hinted that the killer is Rick. Right? Yeah. Like, that's what you might think at this point. Like, Rick would be on the list of people who definitely could be the killer at this point. Yes. Because every time somebody messes with Angela then that person ends up getting dead and, and Rick is super protective of Angela. Yes. So yeah, we were seeing a little hints when it comes to that too. And I thought the whole B scene with the B on his face and stuff was pretty creepy. And you know, there's not, I mean, obviously we don't see a lot of scenes death by B, but I thought this one was pretty creepy. So yeah, that was pretty good. Um, it's kind of weird to, I wonder how the person that was putting the beehive inside the window wasn't getting stung, but you know, it's well, it was on a, it was on a, it was on a stick. Yeah, but they would still attack you. Maybe he had, uh, maybe, maybe they day. found uh, B repellent, or maybe he wasn't. Maybe. maybe our boy Bill in his physical that the killer saw and the records he found out. Oh shit, this guy's allergic to bees. Why don't I get a beehive yeah. and put it in there? Maybe. maybe. Yeah, mm-hmm. maybe. Maybe we'll test it one day for an outtake for the show. We'll go out in the the woods somewhere and we'll find a big beehive on a tree limb and you can cut it down and see if they attack you from holding the stick. I think I might pass on that one. (laughs) 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 So Mel is now finished. He's like, oh, fuck, I'm finished. I'm wiped out. They're going to shut down. Nobody's ever going to bring their kids around here. And he's like, how many kids we got left? Ronnie says, we got about 25. (laughs) (laughs) And then (laughs) Mel... He's like, shit, we're done. Nobody's ever going to come back to camp oh. again. Like, how many do we have that aren't dead? Yeah, how many we got that are not dead yet? 25. Gotcha. And Ryan's like, oh, it's, it'd be okay. <laughs> He's like, kind of be op- optimistic about it. And Mel's like, you know what? I knew it. 
I saw the hate in his eyes. <laughs> and, Ron, and he's like, I knew I was going to get this guy. I got to do something about it. And Ronnie's just like, what the hell are you talking about? You're just imaginary things. Yeah, because at this point, like, would camp not be completely shut down? Well, we've already had three deaths. So Yeah, there's three kids that have been killed <laughs> no, 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 since no, no, they've no, been no. there. There's only two kids that have been killed. Oh, two kids. Yeah, you're right. Yes. Two kids, yes. And Artie, the pedophile. And Artie, yeah. And we don't know if Artie's dead or not. He just got burned really bad. Mm, true. He just has every nerve in his body is burning. Right. But it would be more likely that, I mean, it would be shut down if kids were killed than it would be if counselors were killed. Yes. Like, I mean, after the first kid being killed, it'd probably be shut down. But, you know, Mel is just trying like, to yeah, cover it up some more. <laughs> true. <laughs> so, eventually, this is when we see Angie. She's, like, looking around. We have the first person killer view. with a hand grabber and it's Paul. And then Angie's like, oh, I thought you were the killer. It's like, no, I'm just, uh, it was just a joke. And they're like, hey, let's go by the lake. Okay. So now they're playing around in the lake a little bit. And eventually Paul freaking, he goes for it. Angie's laying down there. He starts to kiss her. Angela's kissing him back. He's about to go for second base. She's like, hold on. He's like, oh, well, I ain't doing nothing. All right. And then we get a flashback scene, everyone. Yes. Okay, there's a flashback. So apparently, John, Angela's dad, and that guy, Lenny, the guy with, you know, his one line. John. Yes. His, right. His one line. They are apparently a couple. They're a gay couple. Yes. So we just see them. Did not see that coming. Yeah. <laughs> and they're, <laughs> they're just in the bed, like, just rubbing each other. Like, okay. Right. Just yeah, sitting there rubbing. And then, of course... We have Angie and her brother were both like sitting, you know, like little kids do, just sitting there laughing. Well, they were like touching each other. And then we get a weird scene of, um, I guess the little kid, I think his name is Peter, was staring and pointing his finger at the girl. Yeah, I thought this was pretty interesting. So it's like it's the it's 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 Angie and Peter like sitting on top of a bed. And then in the first, like in the, and there's like a, a, like a, um, what do you call that? A dolly scene where they're going around the bed. Yeah. Like in a circle. So they're going around the bed in a circle. And then like the first scene is like, if I remember this correctly, like she's pointing at him, she's pointing at Peter. And then as it circles around, don't they like kind of trade places and then he's pointing at her? No, I think it just stops. I mean, I didn't see her pointing at him, but maybe. Okay. But anyway, so yeah, that's kind of what's happening. So then anyway, so we're going around this dolly and we have this weird dream sequence that seems completely out of place at the time. Yes. And then uh, Angela wakes up. No, and she leaves. Gotcha. So now we have uh, Gino and the other camp counselor explaining how to play capture the flag. Because the whole schedule that the camp had originally because of all these murders or stuff, they had to switch it up now. So the new switch up game is playing capture the flag with the white and the blue. Have you ever played capture the flag there, Allison? I have. I've played that game too. It's pretty fun. It's pretty good. Pretty, I played it. Pretty fun. I played it before. You know, the, the whole the whole game of capture the flag is basically you you have a, a whole group and there's people defending the flag in whatever hidden spot that you have it, and the goal is to grab the opponent's flag and bring it over to the other group's territory. Yeah, that'd right. probably be even fun today. Yes, I'd probably say it would be. Yeah. 
Definitely. So eventually, um, Angie's walking through the wood, and Angela's walking through the woods, and she uh, runs in. Well, eventually, uh, Angela and Paul are talking. You know, Paul doesn't realize, doesn't get why she was so upset last night. He's not like he was doing anything bad. Okay. And then uh, she's just saying, like, you know, it's okay. I, I, I just don't want to talk about it. And then he tries for another kiss. She freaks out a little bit, and then she runs away. And this is when Judy comes in saying, she's like, oh, don't worry about her and stuff. You know, she's just a, a weirdo and stuff. How about, you know, you, you be with me? All right. So they start, like, going off into the woods. Uh, so now Rick meets up with Angela, and he has an idea how to get the flag. He said, hey, if we go to the woods over here, we can split off. You try to go get the flag and run. And while you do that, I'll sneak in there and I'll grab the flag. So they want to do like a whole uh, bait and switch Mm. type of deal. But before this happens, Rick runs into um, Paul and Judy kissing in the woods. And eventually Angela sees them kissing. She gets upset. Paul's like, oh, fuck, I fucked up. So he goes, runs to her. And then eventually Rick says... You know, going to Judy saying, "Hey, you're just a you're just a, a piece of a piece of work." You know, what I mean, like you're just a, a scumbag. Mm. So. Yep. So, Although Judy's kind of hotter than uh, Angie. Yeah, but you know, it's like whatever. I, I I thought Rick would be jealous and stuff over here, but he was like, "Oh fuck it, this is the way she is." I guess he was just flicking her off and saying she's a scumbag. <laughs> he didn't give a fuck. I was like, "All right, man." So this is when we have Paul. He's he's talking to Angela now. Uh, he's like saying, "Hey, I'm not sure what happened and stuff." And then Judy eventually shows up. He's like, "Oh, by the way, Angela, did Paul tell you what he told me that you are?" He said, "You're a prune." Ooh, those are big fucking uh, words over there in 1983. Called her that yeah. girl a prune. Those are fighting words. And then she's like, "How about a swim?" And then this is when, like, Mel, like, he goes up to Rick. He's like, hey, Rick, how's your uh, trip going here? And Rick's like, oh, yeah, it's going all right. And the problem is there's not, like, a guys around anymore, so we can't get a ball game going. And then Mel's like, oh, really, a ball game going, huh? So Mel, <laughs> Mel, <laughs> Mel thinks Rick is the killer. He was the killer that he was talking about um when he when he had like the somebody on his eyes and like he saw the evil in his eyes he was talking about rick the whole time mm-hmm. and this is the whole scene where we have um judy's friend come up to her meg come up to her and basically it's going to be forcing angela to go into the water and eventually they do they grab her they they throw her into the water um this is when um mel is grabbing rick saying like it's like you killed all those people and stuff. You like I knew it was you that doing it the whole time. You know, every time she, every time your 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 cousin over there, Angela, is gonna be uh, uh, hurt and stuff. You come to her rescue. Is that why you killed everybody? And eventually, the girls th- go ahead there. No, I was gonna say. So, do we? Is this something I missed in the movie? Do we have a reason that uh-huh. Mel thinks that Rick's the killer, other than? he's protecting his cousin so because it makes it seem like like this has happened before because doesn't he say like oh we're he's like they're definitely going to shut down the camp this time well Uh, which i assume maybe he was talking about the boat accident but like i don't know well the thing is um you know mel remember when he was talking to rodney about you because they they found the uh billy's body he was all Mm -hmm. like i think i might know who did it because i saw evil in this kid's eyes I knew it was him the whole time. So Mel just thinks that it's Rick because I guess what he's seeing is all these people who have um, 
mess with Angela, like Kevin and Billy, they have died. So he just thinks like, oh, okay. He just, I guess he just put two and two together. Like he's like, okay, well, Rick, every time these these kids have threatened, you know, his his cousin Angela, these kids have ran up dead. So that's how he probably came to that conclusion. Yeah, which I guess is a logical thing to think. Yes. So he's not too out of the uh, out of the thinking process, I would say, with Mel. The way he goes goes about it though is a little weird. <laughs> a little, yes. So. Uh, eventually, the uh, the other life the lifeguard guy gets you know they all pull Angela out of the water and stuff. They all get her going out over there, and he calls um, <laughs> the lifeguard guy calls Judy a peckerhead. <laughs> hey Judy, you're, 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 was, you're I, just you're just a big peckerhead. I thought this was hilarious. Yes. So now it's nighttime. All right, Rodney is giving all the camp counselors their duties. Eddie has to go babysit some kids in the forest, and Meg and some of them got the night off. Gotcha. So the the so Meg's like, "Oh, I got the night off. Yes, you got the night off. Okay, sounds great." So she goes up to the, this is this is this totally got me off left field. Okay. Uh, yeah. No so this is like I don't know where this came from. I don't know if we missed a cutscene or something. But Mel goes up to to uh, Meg goes up to Mel. Let's try saying those mm. ten times fast. Meg and Mel. And Meg is like, "Hey, Mel, remember that dinner you promised me? Why don't we do that tonight?" And he's like, "Oh, really? Okay, yeah." She's like, "Okay, I'm just gonna go take a shower and I'll meet you in an hour." And I'm like, "What?" What, what, wait, what, what's yeah, going on over exactly. here? Exactly. Like, like that just came out of left field. So now Mel's like fucking the counselors who are like 18 years old or something, probably. So he's well, like no, having it's, sex with it's not, too. it's not like Meg. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. He's like fucking these counselors. Like, they're not like this, you know, older anyway. I mean, maybe this Meg girl could pass for 18, maybe. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, as a counselor, she's probably like, you know, between 16 and 18, I guess. Yeah. But there was no like tension between them at all. Like, it just came out of left field. Right, not before this. So, yeah. so now you might think that I don't even know why this is in the movie, other than to show that Mel's just a scumbag. Well, because I, I was thinking that maybe you might think that Mel was the killer, but then there's no way you would think that with what happens in just a few minutes. Exactly. Well, I thought they just did this for for to get Meg in the shower. <laughs> well, okay, good point. But they could have just had a shower scene. But there's not no. even any nudity in it, is there? No. Because yeah, so, so Meg she goes she goes to the girls' place and there's a big too big of a line there, so she asks Judy, "Hey, is the other one open?" She's like, "Yes." So so this is when Meg she takes the shower in like the uh, the other place to take. I don't get why they weren't using this shower in the beginning. But there's only like a line of four girls in this one right. shower. Why didn't one of them that's go to the what, other shower? That's what I was wondering. The only <laughs> thing I can think of is is she using the boys' shower? I mean, I, I guess it was another shower. Maybe I'm, it's the special shower they i don't know i guess it was the i mean i was shower. wondering if maybe she's using the boys boy counselor shower um because yeah i couldn't figure that either like why is this other shower open like why are they waiting in line if the other shower is open yes so this is when she gets stabbed you know psycho psycho style in the shower yeah which was it was, it was okay scene. it was awesome it was yeah it was pretty cool it was but pretty there's cool. a weird like where, there's, where, the, where the hand sh- stabbing through the curtain that was awesome yeah but there's another weird scene that comes up here in a bit so eddie the counselor who's supposed to take the kids to go camping he does all that and he basically calls these kids a pain in his ass 
and he gets all the kids to set up um, all the, the tents that they'd be going. Paul meets with Angela again. He's trying to apologize of what happened with him in, in duty. Uh, he says, like, you know, he's never meant to do this. He just wants to apologize. And eventually, Angela's like, okay, well, meet me at the waterfront uh, after the social. He's like, okay, we will do. So now we have these kids telling Eddie that he they're cold. And this is when Eddie's like, the kids are a pain in my ass. He's like, okay, let's leave. And he brings two kids back to the car because they're cold. And this is when we get the first person um, killer view. And then we see an axe there. And that part's a little creepy, too. Yeah, so that's good, though. Mel is now in the canteen looking for Meg. Nobody can find her. He's like, oh, I was supposed to meet up with her an hour ago. Right, like, he's not even hiding this. I know, exactly. <laughs> like, he's, like, telling all the other counselors, like, yeah, me and Meg were supposed to meet up tonight. Like, yeah, we're supposed to meet up and hang out in my little room together and eat dinner <laughs> and, you know, possibly <laughs> do some other stuff. We'll see. <laughs> so we have Judy and Mike. They are now kissing. And like, my favorite line of this part was like, Drew's like, damn it, your kisses are so wet. Yeah. <laughs> so then Mel jumps in and then um, Mike behind's behind there. And he asks like, hey, have you seen uh, uh, Meg and stuff around here? And she's like, no, last time I saw her, she was uh, taking a shower in the other room and stuff. And then eventually Mel's like, hey, you know, um, you know, reading in the dark can hurt your eyes. <laughs> And this yes. part is pretty funny, too. So Mike gets up. He's like, oh, I need to get out of here. She's like, what? What are you talking about? He's not going to come back in here. He's like, oh, Mike's like, oh, I just don't want to get caught. He basically just didn't want to kiss this girl anymore. And, and then she's like, right. you're just a you're just a chicken shit, Mike. And then Mike just leaves like, <laughs> fuck it. I don't give a fuck. I'll get some other beauty. I love that. You're just a chicken shit, Mike. Yeah. So now Mel, she, he's, he's, the, he's looking for Meg in the shower room. And this part is weird. So it's probably been about... He said he said he he hasn't seen Mel in like almost an hour or two, right? Right. Okay. Right. I, I'm picturing. I just want to build part for the scene for the audience. So we're, we're led to believe that Mel Meg probably got killed like an hour hour thirty minutes ago. Am I correct? In the shower. You you could you could think that. Yeah, she might have been dead for about an hour. Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> Mel walks up to the shower part that she got killed at. And he just walks for a second and her body just falls out. Like, what was she? Was she like stuck or something for like an hour and 30 minutes? Like, why did her body just fall up now? It's not like she just died. She's been dead for like almost an hour. Right. We're, Even if she'd only been dead for like 10 minutes, like, you know, yeah. what made the body stand there that long? Yeah. Was there like, was she still like alive? Or, like, what, what's going on here? <laughs> this didn't like, make any sense at all. The body just like falls on him. And then, of course, Mel's like, oh no, Meg and stuff. And he's like, he's like, I knew it. I should have got that guy. So now he thinks that he has to take care of Rick because he thinks Rick is a killer and he's, he should have stopped Rick. And he's all like, oh no, oh no, Meg. <laughs> I got to so, stop him. Yeah, but why would Rick kill Meg, though? Meg wasn't messing with Angela, was he? Yes, was Meg, he? Meg uh, was one that was messing with Angela a lot. She's the one that threw. Angela in the in the river. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah, she threw her in the lake. Yes. Yeah. Okay. All right. So. Uh. So now. Um. So now we have the scene where Judy, she's like, uh, using a, a curling iron for her hair, and she hears a noise. She thinks it's Mike, but it's not. And it just we see just see a figure in in the doorway, 
It's just like, okay, well, don't turn on the lights because if you do, they're going to make us go to the social, wherever you are. And then eventually, you are. Yeah. <laughs> and then eventually she goes up and she's like, oh, it's you. And she's like, what do you want? And then the, the person punches her in the face and they eventually use a pillow and a curling hair iron for the death scene. Allison, have you ever seen death by curling iron? This was the first time I'd ever seen death by curling iron. And I'm kind of wondering how this actually happened. I mean, could you actually, does a curling iron, I don't use one personally, so I don't know. Uh, maybe with somebody in the audience I does. Think, but does. I think I might know get, how it works. Does it get hot enough that it would kill you? Well, I think, okay, so the pillow probably choked her. Okay. Okay. And then the curling iron, you could probably put it on her throat. Maybe. That's the only thing I could think of. But anyway, death by curling iron pillow, and then we hide Judy's body behind the bed. All right. So now this is a creepy scene. Eddie comes back, and then the kids that he left behind are all dead in their in their little uh, camping stuff. I, this came out of nowhere for me. So, and it's also kind of weird too because like, did the so the the person who killed uh, Judy didn't use an axe. Uh, they right. used a pillow and a curling iron. The person who killed these kids used an axe to do it. So are right. we led to believe this happened at the same time? Or is there like a little gap between them? I'm guessing the Judy kill came first and then, then it was the kids. But it was weird though because we saw the first cur- person killer view in the scene before we saw Judy die. Well, I mean, it could have happened either way. Like you, you- to it. All right, so the thing that you have to figure out about this timeline. Now, I, I agree that at this point in the movie, things get a little bit uh, tight on the time. Um, unless all this took a lot more time than it's implied that it did in the movie, which which is what we're talking about, kind of. So, like, if Meg w- had been dead for an hour in the shower, then the killer would have had time to get the axe and kill the other little kids and then go back and kill Judy, right? Yeah, I guess they're really As busy. long as Eddie as long as Eddie's gone long enough. Cuz Eddie Eddie is kind of the key. So like so the kids could have been killed first as long as Eddie left them alone long enough. But Maybe. W- but why didn't why didn't the killer use the axe the axe on on uh, Judy then? Because the killer would have, so somebody would have seen the killer carrying the axe through the, through the, uh, through the camp. Okay. Because I think that makes sense when we find out who the killer actually is. Yes. Um, that, that, that they would not be, uh, as suspected at this point. Um, but the, um, what was I going to say about that? Um, the, um, the death of Judy, I think, happened last. And the timeline. From line. the perspective that, yeah, on, on the timeline, yes. Okay. Because, so what happens next is like we get uh, Rick, he wants to go grab a snack because the dinner made him snake, sick and he wants to go to the social. So he grabs a little, little candy bar. And now he's walking, eating this candy bar. We hear in the background that Rodney's got the phone call about the dead kids and he's all freaking out. And this is when Mel comes up and he grabs Rick and he starts fighting him. 
and starts beating him up and smashing him stuff, saying, I got you. This is for this is for Meg. I got you, you little bastard. Yeah, oh. so at this point, he thinks that, like, at the, up until this point, until he killed Meg, he's pretty okay with Rick being a killer, right? Well, so... Not okay with it, but he can accept it as long as his camp doesn't get shut down. Yeah. Yeah, he was yeah, he was pretty much just like maybe maybe I think I think what happened was I think Mel maybe realized that like okay, maybe I was wrong about Rick. And then when, once he saw the dead Meg, then he was like, "Oh fuck, I was right this whole time. I need to stop this guy." So I'm pretty sure that's what happened. Mm, yeah. I think in the storyline and and the script for the script purposes this whole scene happens to get Rick out of the out of the out of the story. Yes, because also too, when we got done with the male kicking his ass, all right, he's like, "I guess I got I got you for like I promised uh, Meg I would." And then he's like, yeah. "Oh shit, I, I got to get away because I just beat up this fucking kid." And yeah, then he's like, "Maybe I, killed him." Yes, and he, and then he he's walking by the uh, where I guess they had the bow and arrow practice, and he looks, and he's all like, "Oh no, it can't be you, it can't be you," and then he gets an arrow through the throat. Right. So now we have to pause here because now everything ha- starts happening real quick. Yes. Very so that's quick. what I'm thinking as the reason that he ends up beating Rick unconscious is because that gets Rick out of the story and it makes you think you're like, wait a minute, Rick's not the killer. Yes. And that happens seconds later. So then you're like, okay, well, Rick's not the killer. Who is the killer? And then it just, you just go like, it's like the end of the roller coaster where you're just going down this like long or not long, but like this like real fast downhill part right before it ends and because now you're just thrown into it because if it took any longer and you figured out who the killer was it wouldn't have any impact with what you're about to see yes so now they throw you into like holy shit that person's the killer and then you think that's the holy shit moment and then then you're really swerved but anyway that's where we are now so now he's like um he's standing in front of the archery thing which this i'm pretty sure was stolen directly from friday the 13th i think there's (laughs) a scene just like this on friday the 13th where yeah, he's standing in front of the thing and saying, oh, it can't be you. What are you doing here? And then arrow through the neck. Arrow through the neck. No blood. So the cop the, the cop now meets with the counselors and they're going over what's happening. And did you see this cop's mustache? Yeah, it was amazing. It's fantastic. I love it. So now we have um, Paul meets with Angie by the water like they, like they promised they would. And, you know, Paul wants to know what's going on. And then Angie's like, let's go swimming. She's like, well, I got my clothes on. She's like, take off your clothes. And boy, our Paul, he looks so excited. He's like, fuck yeah, finally. I've been waiting for this all fucking trip. Yeah. Like he's trying to get her to go swimming this entire movie. Yeah. And then when she's like, okay, let's go swimming. Now he has an excuse why he can't go swimming. Yeah. But at first, no, no, Allison. At first she was like, let's go swimming. He's like, okay, we can go swimming. Got clothes on. Let's go naked. Then he gets really excited. No, true. Yeah, that's true. That's true. All right. So we have the police officer and Gino. They're looking into the woods and shit. And they eventually find Ricky. And it, it, they well, first they find Ricky's candy wrapper. And then they find Ricky. And then, of course, Ricky is still alive. So our boy Ricky is still still breathing after, uh, mm-hmm. after Mel kicked his ass. So now we have um, the counselors. They find uh, the other counselors. They find uh, Meg dead in the shower, and this is when we see the fake cop's mustache, like hardcore, on this in the scene. It's awesome. (laughs) 
So now we have Rodney and Susan. They are looking for more kids because they basically want to get everybody out of here now because the killer is on a loose and they're just like, we got to go round up all these kids. We got to get the fuck out of here. And then finally, they, finally, finally, so finally we're getting people out of here. Right. Yeah. So they just had a scene where they just mentioned that they didn't, that so many people have been killed that they don't have enough to field a baseball team. Yeah. But just now they're like, okay, maybe we should just get the fuck out of here. Yeah. Maybe we should get out of here now. Yes. So then I hear, some, so I hear some singing. They're like, where's that singing coming from? What is that? It's like, Angela, is that you? Are you all right? And then we get a flashback. And, it's, and then we have the mom, the aunt. She's back. And she's all like, yes. Um, this, uh, I got sprung upon you uh, because of my husband. He left me. But don't worry about that. That's water under the bridge. Water under the bridge. But... But we can't have two boys. I already have a boy. I always wanted a girl. I always wanted like a little girl to have um, and stuff. And, you know, when, when Ricky comes home, he'll be surprised that there'll be a, like a girl over here, a sister he can have, uh, uh, this little girl. But we can't have you, Peter, as a, girl, uh, as a man. You got to be as my little baby girl. Yeah, and then she's like, isn't that right, Peter? Isn't that right, Peter? And then you're like, holy shit. Yes, and you're like, well, okay. And then we cut back. And then the uh, Ronnie and the cops like they look at fucking uh, Angela and she's like fucking butt ass naked, blood all over her with the dead Paul's head. And then she's like, Ronnie's like, oh shit, Angela, it's a boy. Not this, not not. Oh shit, Angela just chopped off Paul's head and fucking has blood all over him. No, it's a boy, and that's more scary than fucking. <laughs> and then we get the whole famous camp, a sleepaway camp scene. Of the fucking Angela's crazy smile where we see blood in her little penis. So Right. So I have a question about this as a filmmaker. (laughs) I want to ask you this question. So she has that 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 look on her face, that what they call the a deranged look, is a is is a very famous scene now. And and the scene where it shows her with the penis that that's not her in makeup. That's like a, a completely mocked up, like fake human being. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just like a, it's like a, um, it, I don't know what you call it. Like, it's just a fake person. Like you would use as a victim or something. Right. So do you think that they just did the best they could when they were making the face for the fake Angela? And then they just told her to like, try and mimic this face that we made. Um, you mean like the person with the face wasn't really Angela? No, like I like the like no, like the face of the actress when it shows the close up at the very end is is the actress playing Angela. Yes. But when it sh- the whole scene where it shows the penis, that's not a real person. I thought it was just like a bodysuit or something. I don't think so. Like I like when I, I looked at it a couple of times and I think it's it's a completely made up uh fake person. Like I don't think it's the actress wearing a bodysuit. Um, and, the, and the, I think, and cause like you, cause the eyes look weird. They look like they look fake. And I'm thinking that, um, they just made up this bodysuit or not a bodysuit, but this fake human body. And then they made the, the mouth into that shape. And then they were, they were just telling the actors like try and mimic this mouth shape, which is why it looks so weird. Yeah. It definitely looked weird. It's definitely a very shocking, um, end to the movie, a very, very interesting swerve uh, type of uh, um, scene at the end. Very, just very different, I would say. Yeah. 
Yeah. So I think this is amazing. Like, I think this movie is, is, I mean, it's really good. Um, it's definitely, you can definitely tell that they saw Friday the 13th and said, okay, I want to make a movie like that. But the, the swerve at the end of it where Angela is actually Peter, that's, I mean, that's you, there's no way that you would have ever guessed that was going to happen. Yeah. Because, you know, in the original scene, where John didn't he have a uh, Peter was one of the kids and he had a daughter too. So I guess we're led to believe that John and the daughter died, but Peter was the lone survivor out of that, out of that clan, out of that family. Right. Well, originally, well, yeah, originally you were led to believe that Angela survived, but yes, yes exactly. Little swerves um, there, but right. Um, but yeah, I mean, I mean, this movie is very controversial, especially today because now everybody wants to attack it because it's like an anti, um, you know, anti-trans movie or whatever, but but you could look at it in different ways. You could look at it as, you know, because some people look at it as like, well, you know, this implies that trans people are crazy, but you could look at it as, you know, if somebody is forced to live, you know, a gender role that they don't agree with or that, that they don't feel like they are, that it could cause like a mental instability in them. Yeah. So you could look at it both. And ways. I heard the, uh, yeah, and I heard like this movie does get some, praised by the whole um trans community too for having like different issues when it comes like that on there too so but yeah definitely a fun movie though definitely very um this is i can always watch this movie because i just i like the whole vibe of the movie you know there is some stuff to pick apart when it comes to, like some of the the death scenes and how they're dying and stuff but i think it's just a very fun movie very good dialogue kind of shows like a lot of um how summer camp probably really is you know, besides, you know, some of the death scenes and stuff, but how the like, kids interact with summer scene, uh, uh, summer camp and everything. So yeah, yeah. how the counselors like to do and stuff, kids having fun. So definitely a uh, a very fun movie uh, that we're starting off June with, I would say. But everybody, that has been Sleepaway Camp 1. Join us here next week on the Retro Blood as we continue our month-long review of summer camp movies as we get into... Sleepaway Camp 2, brother. Which Yeah, it's been a while since we've done a series, so this will be yes. good, right? Yes. Although, I don't think this movie will be good, but we'll see. I actually heard it was pretty... I actually heard the, the sequel is even better than the original on some parts. Really? Now, yeah, wow. I, that's what I've heard okay. through the grapevine, but I actually i have never seen Sleepaway Camp 2 yet. So Me neither. I'm, I'm pretty excited about seeing this one, so it should be pretty fun. Yeah, my my uh, not having seen it, my going into this, I'm going to predict that it is not as good as the first one. Um, but we shall see. Um, there's there's how many four? There's th- well, there is uh, there's there's two sequels. There was supposed yeah. to be another one that they didn't finish yet. But so there was right. like a box set that had uh, Sleepaway Camp on it. It had all three of them. Plus, it had the unmade um, footage. Of the uh, the fourth one that was supposed to happen as well too. Yeah, it was um, never completed, right? Yeah, yeah, it was never completed. And then apparently on the DVD set that came out, it has a little bit more uncut scenes that were supposed to be in the original one too. So that's, that's pretty, right. pretty funny. I mean, pretty fun to to go back and and check it out. So, uh, right. but yeah, we'll be watching number two, and then we'll be doing number three this month as well too. So that should be very fun to talk about here on the Retro Blood. But. Um, what should we leave the audience with today when it comes to Slayer uh, from Show No Mercy? Uh, how about... Um, I don't know. 
How about the title track, Show No Mercy? Ooh, Show No Mercy. Just like our girl Angela, a.k.a. Peter, showed no mercy on all these camp counselors and her her boy toy Paul. He was like, fuck him, he sucked, he's a white kisser. So he chopped his fucking head off. All right, everybody, this has been the Retro Blood, the J.A. Austin, James Klein. We'll check you later next week for Sleepaway Camp 2 as we continue our month-long review of all type of camp horror stories. And this is Slayer. Show, more, show no mercy from the title track. Show no mercy. We'll check you guys out later. Have a good one. Fight for I turn to quest, God can't even turn Evil starts tonight with us, your soul shall be mine